We are, um, this morning we're going to wrap up our thankful series. Um, if you've not been here for the last two weeks, you're lost. Sorry. <laughs> Kidding. Um, let me see if I can just quickly kind of wrap up what we talked about the last two weeks. The first week we talked about being thankful for witnesses. We looked at Hebrews chapter 11 and talked about the fact that we're surrounded and so when we're in tough spots, we can be thankful because we know that people are surrounding us. They've gone, they've run the race, they've survived it, the whole deal, and now they're cheering for us. I think that's the week that I shared that I have run marathons and to pray for me. Um, last week, we had Gary Sadler here. How many of you were here last week, just by a show of hands? Um, just, he's um, a worship songwriter, worship songwriter, uh, whatever. He's a songwriter. Okay, there we go. And he shared with us um, how we can be thankful for worship. It was a great teaching um, for some of you. It, it can, you know, we talk about being priests. And so it's easy to get sometimes lost in that kind of language. But what, here's what I took away from that. The word priest means literally one who draws near. And our church is about being near God, being near man, making disciples. We want to live near God in order to be sent by him to those far from him. So we are, look at the person next to you, even though they don't have that clerical collar, I don't think, I'm looking to make sure nobody has a clerical collar on today. Um, that's, I'm sorry, clerical, that's what? The collar that secretaries wear? What are you talking about? It's like what priests wear, that white square. Um, even if we don't have those on, According to that definition of a, of a priest, we are priests. And so what I loved about what Gary said last week was this. And this is a great teaching for the gathering because we are passionate about worship. That in our culture, we typically have really good worship and then that's it. And Gary said, you know what, for the priests, they'd have really good worship. And the question was, what did they do when they got into the presence of God? And that's the question for us. Okay, what will we do when we're in the presence of God? We talk to God about the people around us. That's what we do. Okay, so you're priests. And this morning we're going to wrap it all up with what I think may be one of the harder teachings and is just thankful whatever, whenever. Turn in your Bibles very quickly to um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And we'll read this verse and then I've got a little clip to show you. That you're going to love. First Thessalonians 5.18. I'm going to confess to you right now. As your pastor. There are certain verses that I read in the Bible. And then I start talking to God. And I say things like this. Why? With all the good verses in the Bible. Why would you put this one in here? I was good till I read it. Now I'm not so good. This is one of them for me. Okay. First Thessalonians 5.18. Here's what it says. Give thanks in all circumstances. Everybody say all. Yeah, it does mean what you think it means. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, before we get into that, I need to show you a quick clip that um, we have. Um, make sure you can hopefully see the TV. I'm sorry that it's just one small TV, but I um, hope you enjoy it, and then I'll come back and we'll finish this thing up.
This is me. They call me Checker. I wasn't the smartest or the fastest, but I was the oldest in my family. And family we had plenty of. I was one of six kids, and my mama was one of ten. And every one of my mama's brothers and sisters had at least three children, except Aunt Laney, who taught English, and she thought that was fun. Needless to say, going to my mama's house for Thanksgiving was always exciting. And she fed us biblically. Men first, women second, and children last. Apparently, that's somewhere in Leviticus. Now, I didn't even know that turkey had white meat. In our world, it was lumpy mashed potatoes, white loaf bread, and iced tea with a single cube of ice. For dessert, you had minced meat pie, which we all knew was smuggled into the South by Yankees during the War of Northern Aggression. But the best part of all was that in my mamaw's front yard, we always got to play football. Now, in this particular year, it was storming outside, so I thought it would be a good idea to move the football game into the house. But it was still football, and I was a quarterback. I took the snap, pitched it back to him, and then I went long towards the corner. Of course, I made a beautiful catch. Now, immediately, I went to what was known as a missionary prayer. God, if you'll heal the lamp, I'll go to Africa and serve as a missionary until the day I die. When I opened my eyes, Aunt Lenny was standing in the doorway. This was it. I was going to die in the bathroom, in my grandmother's house on Thanksgiving. We're going to wash your face. Your hair. I will never forget what she said next. Because the boss wants you at the big table with the men. Now, we didn't call Papa anything but the boss because he pretty much ran the town and everybody worked for him. And she just said, the boss wants you at the big table with the men. As I entered the dining room, first thing I saw, white meat on the turkey. Yeast rolls as big as your fist. Those suckers all these years have been eating coconut cake while we ate minced meat pie. I was greeted by a name I'd never been called before. Kenneth Hall Smith Jr. And I greeted Uncle Luke, Uncle Bobby, and Uncle John, and all the guys around the table. I made my way to sit right by the boss nothing less than a Protestant bar mitzvah. Son, from now on, you're going to be one of the men in this family. And if you ever need anything, you let us know. He told me what being a man meant and the importance of having purpose in my life. But I will never forget what he said next. Don't mess our name up. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for the white meat on the turkey and yeast rolls and fresh coconut cake. And thank you that I could sit at the big table with the boss. Amen. 
change for our family. And we wouldn't be having Thanksgiving with Mamaw anymore. But I like to remember why God gives us so much when we deserve so little. Maybe it's simply because we are His children. So we're in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Let me just say this at the very beginning. There's room at the table for you. And what we're going to talk about this morning, I will admit, even as a believer, is hard for me. But if you're not a Christian, if you've not chosen to trust Jesus as your Savior... This is not going to help you. It's just not. Because I'm going to say things and you're going to be like, I don't think I can do that. You can't. You can't. Until you have understood that you sit, you can sit at a table with family, with a father. What we're going to talk about is just not going to, it's going to go over your head. I mean, it's not even possible. You're going to say, I wish I could do that, but I can't. This is the starting point. The four things that I'm going to share with you in a little bit, they're good, but if you're not in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, it's, you can't. You can't do it. So before we even start, this is the chance to go up and sit next to the boss at the big table. What we're talking about this morning can only be understood in the context of family. And if you're not a part of that family, man, we want you to be a part of the family. Not just because you get coconut cream cake. Is that what it was? But because you get salvation. Hope. Anybody here right now, this is bold, I know, but you're like, you know what? I'm not at the table. I want to sit at the table. Before we go any further in the service, I'd like a spot at the table. Anybody? Okay, here we go. Four truths. Um, I hope you have a sheet of paper. I, we print more every week, and then we just always run out. So here we go. Try to guess the blanks if you want. Number one, who you're with is greater than what you're in. Now, these are four statements, four truths that I think can help us learn how to be thankful for whatever, whenever. When, when Thessalonians says, to give thanks in all circumstances. When I read that, I have to ask God questions like this. But we're in bad situations. How many of you have been in a bad situation before? If you've ever gone to Carowinds, you've been in a bad situation. Right? Because you've stood in line for three hours to ride a ride for ten seconds. That's a bad situation. So sometimes the best way to make Carowinds fun is to be with a group of people. And then you play games together. Like you do... you you do charades in line. We used to play this game called Chang, which required lots of movement. You'd hit people next to you, and I'm so sorry, but we had fun in the line for three hours. Sometimes who you're with makes what you're in something you can handle. Um, I've been in the funeral home here in town when my, uh, Lauren and my family remember this, when my brother passed away, we sat in the funeral home and the director of the funeral home thought that we were loony. 
because we're just laughing. Not that we weren't hurting, not that we weren't grieving, but we were together. We had hope together. And he just thought that we were the craziest family maybe we are in the county. Because we would just tell stories all the time about Stephen and just start laughing. And he's like, you know that we're planning his funeral, right? Yeah, we get it, but we're together. Colossians 2, 6-7, you can go ahead and turn there. While you're turning there, we talked about this a couple weeks back. Um, position versus condition. That... God's more concerned with your position sometimes than he is with your condition. The way I like to remember that is, you know, in Genesis chapter 3 when um, Adam and Eve sinned, God found them in the garden. He didn't say, how are you? He said, where are you? He's interested that we're not near him. He can fix the condition later on. So we've talked about position versus condition. Um, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 speaks to that. Here's what it says. Hold on, I'm getting there. Here we go, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So just notice all the position words. Just as you received Christ, live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. That's our position. So when we're positioned like that, when we're with Jesus, who we're with is greater than what we're in. What's the natural result of that? It says a changed condition. It says that we will overflow with thankfulness. Now, think about the people in your life. Think about the people at work. They overflow, don't they? With something else. We won't even call that thankfulness. Do you know people that overflow with grumpiness? Don't you hate to be around them? We want to overflow with thankfulness. Some of you are looking at the people next to you. That's scary. He's talking to you, grump. The result when we live in Christ, when we're near Christ, is that he changes the condition. We overflow with thankfulness. Um, I was reminded of this this morning at 5.05 a.m. when I was sound asleep, and I opened my eye, and I saw this shadowy figure making its way to the bed. And then I blinked my eyes, and it was Sydney. And she said, I had a bad dream, a really bad dream. I dreamed about a tornado. I said, there's no tornado reasoning with my daughter and what did she say will you come tuck me in bed sure i'll go so i go back in tuck her in bed lay down on the bed next to her for a little bit put the christmas music on wait till she falls asleep and then silently slip out listen when you're in a bad situation some of you are in bad situations when a child's in a bad situation they don't suddenly try to fix the situation. What do they do? Mom, Dad, anybody I know, come near me. Who you're with is greater than what you're in. Some of us get so overwhelmed by what we're in, and I'm just going to tell you the truth. It's because you are not near Jesus. Not that it's not hard, not that it's not difficult, but when you're near Jesus, 
suddenly that thing's not so big. Who you're with is greater than what you're in. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 41, just jot that down. It's one of those verses that always blew my mind. Because it says that the apostles in verse 40 had just been flogged. Do you know what flogged is? It's not like a drink. It's like a whip with stuff that just rips your flesh out. It's like... They just got that done to them. And then it says in verse 41 that they walked away rejoicing. How do you rejoice because you got flogged? For one reason. Because they had been kind of worthy to be numbered with Christ. Now, if you can get flogged and walk away rejoicing because you're with Jesus, I want to learn from people like that. And you know people that are happy, joyful, they seem to always have a good outlook on life. And don't you want to learn from them? Don't you want to go up to them and say, how do you do it? I know people that are always smiling, and I just, I want to go, can I just, like, follow you around 24-7 just to see if that's fake? It might be fake, but there are some people who are truly joyful all the time. Because they know who they're with is greater than what they're going through. I want to learn from people like that. If you're finding it hard to be thankful in any situation, the best way to start is to ask yourself that one question. Am I near Jesus? Number two, thankfulness is best prepared in a microwave, not an oven. Y'all know who Percy Spencer is? I didn't either. 1946, dude's working with microwaves. And he walks out of work one day and realizes that the candy bar in his pocket has melted. And he thought, that's weird. So the next day he went in, he took popcorn. And he put it at the other end of the room and started doing experiments with the microwaves again. And the popcorn started popping. And he thought, that's weird. So the next day he went in with an egg and he put the egg on the other side of the room. And it started jumping up and down. And he sent one of his associates to go check on the egg. And when the associate got close to it, the egg exploded all over the associate. That's where we get microwave ovens from because he's the guy that discovered it. He started to realize that what microwaves do is they get the molecules inside the food to start just moving around real rapidly. It builds up the heat and then ding, done. Oval Redenbacher made a lot of money later, right? But that's what microwaves do. Microwaves heat from the inside out. Ovens heat from the outside in. And we need to understand that thankfulness is best prepared in a microwave. Colossians 3, verse 15 says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Um, anybody going to watch the Panthers play later, later today? Nobody's going to watch the Panthers play? Oh, okay. Wow, you scared me a little bit. I was watching um, some of the state game yesterday because I turned it off when they were behind 41 to 14. I turned it back on when I saw the score later and went, what? And if my team's winning, I love the referee. If my team's losing, I don't like the referee, right? Because it seems like when you're losing, the referee calls every bad call against your team and every non-call goes for the other team. That's how Carolina and Duke fans feel during basketball, right? Whichever team lost, oh, the rest just hate us. Whatever, you know. I'm a state fan. The rest don't even care about us. 
This word rule, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, rule literally means to umpire, to make calls. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And when we do that, when the peace of God is ruling internally, it says, and be thankful. Thankfulness starts in here, not with what's going on around us. We're not always going to have peace on the outside, but we can choose to have peace rule us on the inside. When I was in high school, we were cutting wood with a chainsaw. I didn't get to hold the chainsaw, but my dad did, and he cut my grandpa's leg. That's never good. And if, I don't know if any of you are just like not outdoorsmen, but here's a tip. Don't cut people with chainsaws. So we're in the woods, and it's like, <laughs> my grandpa's like, ah, holding it. Blood is going everywhere. Now, in that situation, what kind of person are you? That doesn't help at all, does it? But you know people like that, right? And then, like, the person that's getting ready to lose all the blood out of their leg is comforting the person who just passed out because he's bleeding. It, it, it'll be okay. Just got to get me to the hospital. Wake up. Wake up. Seriously, get your car keys. Let's go. It's crazy. And in that moment, you know, we just suddenly had peace. I'm not really into blood, I'll be honest. I can handle my blood, but, like, if you started bleeding right now, I might pass out. It's possible. Please don't prick yourself to see if it'll happen. So we get him in the car. We go down. And when we got to the hospital, the doctor simply told us this. He said, you know what? You're lucky that you were with calm people when that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Doc, you got no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. I'm probably white as a sheet, right? Sometimes bad things happen. I'm not making light of whether or not bad things happen. I've lived in bad situations. I will again. Some of you are in them right now. So when we talk about being thankful, whatever, whenever, we are not saying, just close your eyes and act like nothing bad happened. You're not really bleeding. You're not really bleeding. Yeah, he's bleeding. It's squirting out. But we can still have peace. We can still be calm. We can react knowing that Something greater is happening than just this. Does that make sense? All right. Number three. What confuses us passes through the hands of the one who changes us. Let me say that again. What confuses us passes through the hands of the one who changes us. We're just going to state the obvious here. There are things that will happen in our lives that confuse us, correct? We ask why a lot. Not just because, now some of us are just like two-year-olds spiritually, right? Everything that happens in our lives with God, we're just like, why, 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 why? And God Almighty could say, because I said so, and we would say, why? Some of us do that, but most of us ask why because we genuinely don't understand. There are things going on in our lives that we do not understand. It confuses us. This is the place where we have to make a choice, and this is a hard choice to make. Um, just by a show of hands, how many of you are perfect? Okay. 
Thank you. There's always got to be one person that goes, no one else is going to do it, so I'll raise my hand. How many, how many of you just by a show of hands don't believe her? Yeah, a lot more hands on that one. I'm sorry. By the way, your parents were like? Okay. Um, Romans 8.28 says, you, you probably know this verse, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This place, when the place where you're confused, how many of you have been confused before or you're confused right now? Okay, so I'm not talking to people that don't understand what I'm talking about. When you're confused, this is where you have to make this simple choice. Am I going to trust? Am I going to trust? If none of us are perfect, then it means that we need to change, even if we don't know what part of our lives need to change. And if we need to change, then the truth of the matter is, do we trust God to be sovereign enough over the things that confuse us in order to use them to change us? That was a long sentence. Here's what it means. Sovereignty of God means that he's a lot bigger than we are. Everybody say yes. Okay. So because God's a lot bigger than us, what we do typically is we say to God, well, if you're bigger than me, why don't you stop all the stuff that makes me feel bad? Pretty please? You're bigger. And then when things don't go the way we want, then we say, oh, see, you're not big at all. You're a small God. But the sovereignty of God is proven in the fact that when we have things go wrong in our lives, when we are confused, when we're wringing our hands going, oh, how am I going to make this happen? He is not. He does not wring his hands. He does not pour sweat. He is not confused. He is sovereign over all things. And he is so powerful, so sovereign, that he can even take the mistakes that we make and work them around for his glory, for your good, according to his purpose. And I'm amazed by that. I do not understand it. I do get confused by the things that happen in my life and the things that happen in your life. But I know this, that Romans 8.28 is true. He does work all things to his glory and your good. What did Joseph say at the end of all of his life? You can just read Genesis, like 37 and forward, and read his life. I mean, the dude is like put in prison. He loses jobs. He does everything right, and he's put in all the wrong situations. And at the end of his life, when he's standing up and can be vindicated, what does he say? What would you say in that moment? When you're looking at the people, the very family that betrayed you, I mean, <laughs> what finger would you point with? He pointed with this finger, and he said, what the devil meant for evil, God turned for good. I don't know that I would have said that. I don't know that I would have been pointing up. Do we trust God? Do you trust him that what's going on in your life right now that you're confused about, he's going to use it to change you? That's the question. And if you really do believe that, here's what happens. We have a teachable spirit instead of a troubled one. We have an open heart instead of a closed one. We have an expectation that something greater will be revealed that will make sense of what confuses us now. It's just like the boys in the two big piles of poo. These two guys were put into these stalls. 
And there's a big pile of poo in one stall and a big pile of poo in the other stall. And the guy that's doing the experiment walks over to this one and the kid's got the shovel and he's just like, I hate that. I can't believe I have to shovel this poo. This stupid stinks in here. And he walks in the other one and that kid is just like shoveling as fast as he can. Poo is flying everywhere all over the stall walls. Big old smile on his face. And the doctor's like, dude, what are you doing? He said, man, with a pile of poo this big, there has got to be a pony somewhere. When we understand that there's something better than what we can just see, what we're experiencing, it changes our expectation. When our family lost mom and Stephen, when we kind of had this weird stuff going on for like a year, we call it the Job years. When all that happened, if you had come to our house, you would have seen us at times crying and pulling our hair out and wringing our hands and go, oh God, what's going on? But more times than not, and you can ask Laura and you can ask Wendy that I am not lying to you, what they would hear me saying was, oh God, let me learn fast. Because there's a lesson in this for me somewhere. And I don't want to repeat this one again. So make me a good learner. Because there's a greater purpose than just what I'm experiencing right now. When's the last time you approached your problems with that perspective? You approach it that way, and suddenly you become thankful for whatever, whenever. Because even in the bad stuff, even though we don't like it, and you don't hear me say that I liked it, even in the bad stuff, I find myself saying, but God, somehow, somehow, there's a pony here, and I'm going to find it. I'm going to be more like Jesus on the other side of this. And I do not like it anymore now. And I don't understand it anymore now. But I'm willing to shovel like crazy to find it. Number four. Last one. Determine blessings there, not here. Let me explain this one. This is all about perspective, okay? Um, all of us live in the present, right? Not a trick question. You're breathing, right? We all live in the present, but do you know what? Not many of us look past the present. Turn um, to 1 Corinthians, I mean, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 16 and 17. We want to learn how to determine blessings there, not here. So we live in the present some of us never look past the present. And so as a result, here's what happens. Our level of thankfulness changes depending on what we see here and now. And that just makes you normal, right? Isn't it good to be normal sometimes? Here's what that means. If your present situation is good, then you're blessed and thankful. If your present situation is bad, you're depressed and sorrowful. We talked about this a little bit last week. People that take their own lives... Because they can't see a way out. They, they have lost perspective in that moment. They're struggling in that moment to see anything past right here. Hey, this is a great experiment. Sometimes walk around with a book. It looks good, too, when you see somebody else do it. But just walk around with a book right here. Guess what that means? One, you look like an idiot. Two, people are laughing, but you can't see them. 
And three, that book looks bigger than everything else in your life. I mean, right here, that book is bigger than that wall over there. But you back it away. You get some perspective and things start to take the right size, the right shape. Here's what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, quick poll here. How many of you heard that and the first thing you think in your head is, yeah, but that's Paul. I mean, he's so close to Jesus, he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. Of course, he calls them light and momentary because he's Paul. Angels followed him everywhere he went. Do you know what Paul calls light and momentary? Verses 8 through 10, that same chapter. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. That sounds like a song. Paul goes on later. He talks about being shipwrecked, bitten by a serpent, jailed, flogged. Those are bad things, right? Am I, that is bad, isn't it? And he called them light and momentary. I mean, light and momentary for me is losing in fantasy football. Right? Which is happening on a regular basis right now. I'm so persecuted. Paul describes all those things that are horrible. I mean, is it okay to say those are horrible things? They are horrible things. And he summed them up with light and momentary. And those are, again, one of the verses I read, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, Paul, live in the real world, dude. How many of you, if you lost your job tomorrow, would go, that's light and momentary? <laughs> if you say that, you've never lost your job. I mean, lights are involved, but they're usually being turned off. Light and momentary? If you lost somebody that you love, that's not light and momentary. And sometimes we read that and we get offended. Oh, well, thanks a lot, Paul. So you're making light of what I'm going through. He's like, no. Why can he say that what's happening here is light and momentary? Because he doesn't determine the blessings here. He determines the blessings there. And what does he say they're doing? What I'm experiencing here is, is working to achieve a glory that far outweighs them all. So the bottom line is this. Stop looking at what you can see and start looking at what you can't. Paul said it. Stop fixing. Verse 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Stop looking at what you can see. And I don't say that lightly, because sometimes it's all we can see. The book is right here, and he says, pull it back, man. Stop looking at what you can see and start looking at what you can't see. There is glory on the other side of this. It far outweighs what you're going through. And I don't know how you are, but I would live in squalor right now if I knew in two years I'd be a multimillionaire. Anybody else want to join me? I mean squalor. Put up a cardboard box. I will crawl in it and live for two years if I'm guaranteed to be a multimillionaire on the other side. And I would maybe complain about that cardboard box. It would probably smell bad. I wouldn't have a lot of people visiting the house. 
but I'd be happy to cut a window so you can look out when you come over. But everybody that would walk up and say, dude, why are you living in a cardboard box? What would I tell them? What would I tell them? I'm going to be a multimillionaire in two years. That's all Paul's saying. Light and momentary compared to, compared to what it's getting for you on the other side. Stop looking at what you can see. Start looking at what you can't. So it changes your perspective from here and now to there. Okay, I get it, Paul, but like that doesn't pay the light bill. You're right. It doesn't. God does. Really? He's actually going to the city of Albemarle and writing a check? Yeah. Anybody here ever had your light bill paid for some, by somebody that, and you didn't pay it? You ever had somebody pay for your meal and you didn't pay for it? I have. The meal, not the power. But if you want to do it, it's cool with me. God uses people to do that stuff. God's got your back. He can take care of it. It all requires a change of perspective. Because what it's doing there is more important than what it's doing here. So the good news is this. God never wastes your pain. He doesn't make light of it. He doesn't do what you've had some people do to you. Just get over it already. What is your problem? God, you're so weak. He doesn't do that. He takes all your pain and he somehow does something with it. Do, 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 do. Ta-da. And I'm like, wow, a pony. <laughs> when we look at it like that, sometimes what we end up seeing are the blessings, the things in our lives right now that we can't stand on the other side. They end up being the greatest blessing we could have ever had. We never would have asked for it. But we received it because God used what was in our life to create something that we never thought we'd see. So here's how we're going to wrap it this morning. This beautiful young lady is going to come with two of her friends. You can come on. And they're going to sign a song. Just to kind of wrap this whole thing up. And give you the chance to kind of reflect a little bit on what we've talked about. And then we'll just kind of close it at the end, okay? God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your word. I do thank you for verses that I don't like, that I don't really understand. If for no other reason, it reminds me that the Bible wasn't written to be about me. So um, this morning, God, all of us, you know, we take these truths that we've talked about, these verses that we've studied, and if, I guess if I taught it correctly, a lot of us are a little bit mad right now because we don't like the way that it makes us feel. We would much rather you push the button and fix it all. But as we watch the song, God, as we listen to the words, I, I just pray that your spirit would begin to move in our hearts and that we would know again as we leave this morning, you are with us, you are for us, and you are working in our lives to do things that we never 
could imagine. But God, just as children, we trust you in your name, Jesus.